I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to Catholic Education Plus. I'm Father Tom Burke, pastor at St. Mary Magdalene Parish, serving the communities of the East End, Homewood, Point Breeze, and Wilkinsburg sections of the city of Pittsburgh, and also the pastor at St. Benedict Moore Parish in the Hill District. This morning we are here without our school director, Michelle Peduto, uh, this weekend, but speaking on a topic that is near and dear to her heart and the hearts of all of us, and including mine, we're talking about race relations. This is such an important, relevant topic, especially within the framework of how it pertains to the dignity of the human person. Catholic social teaching proclaims the sacredness of life as the foundation of the moral vision of society, from protecting the lives in the womb to the cry of Black Lives Matter. Every single person is a child of God. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops emphasizes this as a call to action for the family and community. But how is this practically accomplished through the lens of our Catholic faith? I'm very deeply honored to have Father Matthew, Matthew Hawkins, who is the parochial vicar, my co-worker, at St. Mary Magdalene Parish in the East End and also at St. Benedict de Moore Parish in the Hill District. He joins us uh, this morning with his everyday insight and spiritual direction on how to navigate this very important topic. So, Father Matthew, good morning, and welcome to my show, Catholic Education Plus. Good morning, Father Tom. Good to be here with you. My co-worker in the vineyard with, yeah. with me, so thanks for being on this morning it's great uh, to be here. with us. And uh, you and I, we go way back. Um, my days as the parochial vicar at St. Paul Cathedral in Oakland, um, that was 2004 to 2008. You were a parishioner. Uh, you were a lector at the noon mass, and also I recruited you for pastoral council. Mm-hmm. And who would have thought? And then those early days, we walked down to Starbucks there on Craig Street, and then we would run into each other at Starbucks there over in Shady Side, mm-hmm. Forbes and Shady. And lo and behold, you're my coworker. So right, it's it's really been a, a blessing and a, a great journey. Great. And I talked with you too uh, as I was first even considering discerning the priesthood, and and so you encouraged me to uh, to pursue the vocation. So I'm one of your mentors, yeah. right? Okay, <laughs> Absolutely. Good. You didn't run away. Here you are. So. No, I'm I'm great. You're a great uh, great guy, a great priest, and a great friend. And I'm truly honored to, uh, to work with you and share the share the microphone with you this morning. So. Now, first, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about your remarkable personal history, uh, your heart for God and his service, and this very issue of the dignity of the human person helped you move into a place of discerning the priesthood uh, later in life. So you want to share your story with our listeners? Well, I'm not sure how remarkable it is, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I entered full communion with the Catholic faith, uh, uh, the... um, 
I'm hesitant to use the term convert, which people frequently mm-hmm. use, but that's really somebody who would be moving from being a non-Christian to a Christian. And I grew up in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, which was uh, obviously Methodism. And so we were in communion with the Catholic Church, but not full communion. And uh, the process of discerning entering full communion with the Catholic Church was really that I was drawn to the church through a number of things, especially the spirituality of the church, the prayer life, uh, the many forms of prayer that were available but also in the blending of faith and reason, because uh, in some of the other uh, branches of Christianity, there might be a heavy emphasis on faith, but it doesn't couple that with the rational properties, the rational faculties that the human being has. And this combination of faith and reason and being able to look out at the world and at oneself in a way that actually makes sense and that demonstrates that our Christian faith is is reasonable as well as as miraculous was a very important uh, thing that drew me to the church. But also the the universality of the church, the fact that the church reaches across all cultures, all nations, all traditions, and helps us to draw out and uh, emphasize our humanity. It helps one to experience the fullness of one's humanity uh, within the particular cultural context, and that's how we really reach people, uh, through the particular experiences of cultures and traditions we enter into that universal. So those are the things that really drew me into the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. and and in connection with the dignity of the human person, uh, that was particularly important because even which was 40 years ago, even when I was, uh, you know, discerning whether or not to enter full communion with the Catholic Church, uh, times were complicated. And uh, there were a lot of ideas, uh, some of them good, some of them pretty strange, that were going around about what it meant to be a human being, and uh, as well as uh, different social identities that people had. And how much of an emphasis would one place on one's social identity or a particular social identity above and beyond one's humanity? And how does, without negating the significance of social identities in people's lives, but how does the full realization of one's humanity actually enhance that social identity and and humanize it? So the Catholic Church seemed to me offered answers to that. Um, and also helped me to figure out what the questions were as well. I mean, a lot of times we think we have answers, but we haven't really clearly thought through the questions. And so, um, so it, again, it appealed to both my faith and my reason and, um, uh, and really put the dignity of the human person to the forefront. Hmm. I think, ironically, one of the books that had the biggest impact on me was Love and Responsibility by Carol Wachiwa at, at that uh, then Pope John Paul Pope II. John Paul, yeah. And uh, you would say you, you could say, well, that's about relationships, and it is about relationships, and you can say that's about um, about romantic relationships and so forth. But it's re- it's really about human relationships. Uh, it has a much broader application, and I remember at the core of that book was the contrast between the personalistic norm and the objectivist norm, that do we emphasize the personhood of human beings 
uh, who are an end in and of themselves, again, with their own dignity? Or do we reduce human beings to mere objects? And I think in many ways that's now we know how that applies, the application of that in terms of romantic relationships and so forth. But often we don't think about how that also uh, should help us to think through social relationships in general. Because I think when we reduce people to a one-dimensional social identity, we are reducing them to one-dimensional objects, and we aren't really encountering their full humanity. So. Mm, great. Now, in today's world, cancel culture, you hear that term a lot. How do we begin to actually collaborate on these critical conversations, especially uh, the emotional charge topic of race relation and the dignity of a person? That's such a hot-button issue, cancel yeah. culture and... How, how, how would you describe that? Right. I think, uh, well, actually, fortunately, George Yancey, who uh, used to live in, in Point Breeze mm. here in Pittsburgh, Our he was yeah. uh, taught in uh, the Pittsburgh Theological Seminary when he was mm. in Pittsburgh, uh, is now a national or internationally renowned writer. And, and just this year, uh, one of his more recent book, he's had quite a few under his belt, but the more, most recent book is Beyond Racial Division, A Unifying Alternative to Colorblindness and Anti-Racism. And I find that a very helpful book for thinking these matters through, both because he does, uh, as, a, as a theologian, take a theological uh, perspective to it, and also um, brings a lot of good social skills to it as well, you know, practical social skills. And one of the things that Yancey emphasizes is that we're caught between two ideologies that make it very difficult to have conversations about things such as race and, 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 but, and also gender and, and a whole lot of other things mm -hmm. as well, but particularly the focus in that book is on race. And that is um, one ideology is the ideology of colorblindness. So it's saying... Uh, uh, well, if we didn't talk about race at all, then everything would be fine. And don't um, so. So it, it basically says to somebody, you know, again, people's experiences are particular experiences. Uh, they do have many encounters in life that are connected, especially racial minorities, and not not so much for uh, for for the majority, where uh, their day to day experiences are influenced, you know, by who they are or how people perceive them. Um, and so to say, well, you can't talk about that, that that's irrelevant, is to say you can't talk about something that is a very significant part of your life. In other words, I don't even want to know you. <laughs> I don't want to know that part of you that, that uh, greatly influences or affects your day-to-day -day experiences. And so that's a way of saying, uh, shut up. Right? Uh, that's a way of cutting off conversation. On the other hand, there is the ideology of anti-racism, which sounds like a good idea. I mean, who, 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 who wants to be pro-racist? But the way that it is framed as an ideological construct um, by writers such as Abraham X. Kendi and Robin DiAngelo is one in which unless you are a member of a particular race, uh, you have no right to enter into conversations about race unless you're going to agree with the assumption of the speaker. Well, okay, that's another way of preventing conversation. It's another way of saying, um, I don't want to hear what you say. Uh, shut up. <laughs> and so our challenge right now, and we're finding this, I think, increasingly in the classroom, uh, 
uh, and uh, and out in extracurricular activities as well. Our challenge right now is to, first of all, to clarify, do we want our conversations to be inclusive and to draw people in? And if, it, if we do want them to be inclusive and to draw people in, that means that we have to be prepared to listen to um, things that might make us feel somewhat uncomfortable. Or do we want our conversations to push people away? Absolutely. And we really have to make that decision. Yeah, very, very needed to talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we have lots more to talk about. So this first half really went quick. I could talk to you all day. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Catholic Education Plus with Father Matthew Hawkins and Father Tom Burke here on KDK Radio. We'll be back in a moment. And welcome back to Catholic Education Plus. I'm Father Tom Burke, pastor at St. Mary Magdalene Parish in the East End and also St. Benedict the Moor Parish in the Hill District. With me this morning is my co-worker, uh, my parochial vicar, Father Matthew Hawkins, from St. Mary Magdalene and St. Benedict de Moor, and we're talking about race relations and the dignity of the human person, something that's very near and dear to both of us and such an important uh, topic. So, Father Matthew, we're a society of different ideologies, political and economic and cultural identities, races, and also sexual orientations. How do we talk about our struggles uh, while creating an environment that's inviting and embracing of differences while acknowledging our common humanity, because that's there's such a political, uh, so political and polarization when there's two different um, differences of opinions on certain right. things. And actually, yeah, and I would argue that there are multiple mm-hmm. um, differences of opinion, and therein lies the problem with the singular social identity, because the singular social identity suggests, which reduces human beings to objects, essentially. Uh, suggests that uh, uh, if you're black, you must think X, Y, and Z. If you're white, you must think X, Y, and Z. If you're Asian, you must think X, Y, and And so it puts people in these narrow categories. But what we know (laughs) from our own experiences in ministry and in the classroom is that people are all over the map in terms of how they think, whether they're black or white or Asian or Hispanic. uh, the, The perspectives are wide and diverse. And the problem is, so this idea of putting people in a narrow box uh, is dehumanizing to the very people that it claims to liberate, right? Mm, label people, box <laughs> because, people in. Mm-hmm. Boxes people in and, and doesn't – now in the classroom, the way that that plays out is that uh, that's why it's important in the classroom to create space to have conversations where people are not shamed into a particular perspective or a particular point of view. And also where there is the willingness to uh, engage in critical inquiry. Uh, and, uh, and mind you, that's, that's not the same as, as critical race theory. But quit, critical thinking, uh, the ability to question, the ability to challenge, the ability to entertain multiple perspectives simultaneously. It's very important to be able to promote that environment in the classroom. Uh, a person... Uh, you know, because a student gets angry should not be a reason to shut down the conversation. That should not become an excuse for silencing other people, other students, nor should the idea of all conforming to a particular perspective on any given issue uh, become the currency of the classroom. Because at that point, we're cutting off inquiry and we're really diminishing the humanity and the complexity of each of those human beings in the classroom. 
the you know Rabbi Abraham Heschel put it I think really well because the idea in terms of talking about the dynamics of race uh, I know a lot of white students and, and many white teachers as well feel uncomfortable with the topic and usually what they tell me is that they feel uncomfortable because they feel that they're they're put on the defensive and that they're expected to feel guilty guilt is not should not be the objective of these conversations. Um, but mutual responsibility of everybody in the classroom, regardless of their race, is uh, what we should be aiming for in these conversations. As Rabbi Abraham Heschel put it, few are guilty. There are, only, there are few people who are directly guilty, either for, especially today, either for racial oppression or discrimination and so forth. We can talk about systemic and structural racism, but that's another question. It's very complicated. But few are guilty, but all are responsible. In other words, we're all living in this society together. We're all living in this world together. So we're all responsible for weighing in and trying to work this through. And again, that requires an environment where there can be collaborative conversations and not conversations that say, you are silenced unless you agree with me. Uh, so, and that goes for all sides of the political spectrum on that. Uh, and I think that is the challenge that we're really facing. Now, f- from a pedagogical standpoint, there is a particular challenge for teachers and for uh, athletic directors and for coaches. And that is that in today's climate, the responsibility of a teacher and the responsibility of a coach is to train, to teach the students so that the student gets better. And that means that that teacher or that coach is going to correct a lot of what the student uh, is doing. And that makes the student stronger as a human being. That makes them perform better in life. That is in the the student's interest. We have created an environment where where teachers are increasingly hesitant about correcting students and coaches are increasingly hesitant about correcting their their, uh, players. Uh, for fear of being accused of of, of bias, and uh, and and that is a very dangerous path to go down, uh, particularly for the student, because if as I was coming through school, if somebody didn't correct my writing, or didn't correct my my math and tell me that I was wrong, you know, math is kind of cut and dry, <laughs> but writing you could say is a little bit more subjective, but if a person hadn't said, well, you can state this better or you can organize your ideas better this way or the other, then I could feel good about my incompetent composition. <laughs> but eventually, as I go out in the society, people would notice that and and there would be a real cost incurred. So you aren't doing students any favors uh, by uh, not directly encountering as a teacher, your role and your responsibility to correct students and to strengthen their skills, even if in today's climate where everybody feels like a victim on, on all sides, uh, that people are going to claim that their victimhood at your uh, attempt to teach them. The teacher who who is correcting your work is not oppressing you. Quite the opposite, that teacher is liberating you. But these days, that's a very difficult task that our teachers and coaches are facing. Absolutely. You have to talk about it. It's not something that, um, you know, you just ignore it or sweep it under the rug. And I think a lot of the teachers might 
feel uncomfortable talking about race relations or even students amongst each other. But like you said earlier, you have to talk about it and come to a common denominator for it instead of ignoring it because it's not going to go away. And I think as a society as a whole, as a church as a whole, you know, we have to talk about dialogue and be open to learn and grow and not be so close-minded or box people in. So Right. You know. And again, this is essential to human dignity because yeah. part of what's made the conversation difficult is that if people are simply labeled as victims or oppressors, that yeah. that doesn't capture human beings. Human beings are good and bad. All human beings are good and bad. All human beings have strengths and weaknesses. Nobody is purely victim. Nobody is purely oppressor. Our lives are much more complicated than that. And, part, and at the core of Catholic social teaching is in Catholic social thought is embracing that complexity of humanity, not reducing it to a one-dimensional thing. Yeah, you've got to talk about it. Yeah. Well, I want to bring you back on the radio show because you and I, this, this is great. We could talk about this all day. So, Father Matthew Hawkins, the parochial vicar at St. Mary Magdalene Parish in the East End and also at St. Benedict of Moore in the Hill District and my co-worker, thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you so much. And happy Father's Day to all of our fathers out there and happy anniversary to Father Matthew. Uh, you'll be celebrating your second anniversary uh, next Monday, a week from uh, tomorrow on uh, June 27th. So happy anniversary, your second year of priesthood. Thank you so much, Father. We'll take a break. You're listening to Catholic Education. Education Plus with Father Tom Burke here on KDK Radio. This week in our Plus segment, we are uh, celebrating on this June 19th uh, Father's Day. So happy Father's Day out there to all of our fathers, grandfathers, godfathers, uncles, any type of fatherly role uh, a man has in a young person's life. And we also celebrate in our church the Feast of Corpus Christi, which is the body and blood of Christ. The Eucharist, of course, is the center of our Catholic faith. And this uh, week's Gospel of Luke we hear the beautiful, we read the story of Jesus feeds over 5,000 people with only five loaves and two fish, the multiplication of loaves and fishes. This is the one miracle story that is listed in all four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So on the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, also known as Corpus Christi, we really believe uh, that Christ is here, truly present in his willingness to sacrifice himself and to others. And we are nourished with the Eucharist every time we are fed and nourished with the word and fed and nourished with the Eucharist. So happy Father's Day and happy uh, Corpus Christi. And we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Catholic Education Plus with Father Tom Burke here on KDK Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.